Well, 2023 is almost over. What have we learned and where are we going? I'm Paul Comfort and today's Transit Unplugged podcast features the CEO of the American Public Transportation Association or APTA, Mr. Paul Scatellas, who will tell us the answers to those questions. He's been a friend to the program, appearing many times on our video and audio shows. Plus, he's been a guest on Transit Unplugged Live, an event we held at a UITP summit years ago in Sweden. We also have a first-time guest from APTA, and that's Ms. Petra Mollett, who is the Vice President of Strategy and International Programs there. And both of them share some of the challenges, successes, and learnings from 2023 for the public transit industry, both here in America and internationally. I know you're going to love this discussion. In our program, Transit Unplugged, we've had an amazing year of 2023. Our television show, Transit Unplugged TV, has grown dramatically in its cinematic and content quality. If you go back and look at some of the first episodes and look at them now, you'll see the difference what I'm talking about. A lot of that is due to our video director and editor, Jaime Quadra, who just does tremendous award-winning work. And we basically, we visit a new city every month around the world, and we delve into their public transportation system. We go behind the scenes with their leaders. We ride the service with them, and they talk to us about their challenges, and they show them to us, the construction projects, their operations control centers, you know, inside the vehicles, the hydrogen, the battery electric, how the charging works, all the fun stuff. And speaking of fun, we take our viewers into the food and culture scene of those cities. And those are the things that public mobility enables residents and visitors to enjoy. And I think it's working because our viewership has grown exponentially over the last year. Over a 500% increase in viewership now in our second year on our YouTube channel, Transit Unplugged TV. Plus, we're now distributed through a brand new television network, the Transportation Channel. And we've entered into social media in a big way. We now are distributing interesting clips from the program via YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels. I encourage you to follow us on both platforms to see these and let us know what you think. And our audio podcast is growing too. Now in this new year of 2024, we're focusing on not just CEOs discussing topics affecting our industry, but also a look at their career journeys a little bit more than we've done in the past, how they made and make decisions. All this is so that those in the public transportation industry who want to learn from them as they move up the ladder of success can do so. Plus, the companies that support the industry will learn from these discussions about where the public transit agencies are going, their plans for the future. All this as we are now in our seventh year of Medaxo's thought leadership vehicle, Transit Unplugged. We have our podcast, our TV show, live events, our weekly newsletter, and now in a big way on social media. Thank you for being a partner with us as we continue to grow. Now let's join our discussion with Paul Scatellis and Petra Mollett of APTA, taking a look at the hot trends from 2023 and what we see coming in 2024. Great to have Paul Scatellis and Petra Mollett with us today. They work for the American Public Transportation Association, or APTA, which is America's large national association. And this is our year-end review show. And so uh, I thought, who better to talk about the year-end review than the head of our national association here in America? And Petra will give us the international view. Uh, Paul, thank you for being on the show. Once again, you're a multi-time guest now. I'm always happy to be part of it, Paul. You do a great job, and it's fun to have a conversation with you from time to time. Absolutely. Uh, and Petra, I know that you and I will be talking in just a minute about some of the big international trips that you guys did this year and the learnings from them. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to it, Paul. So, uh, Paul, let's kick it off with you. Um, I guess, first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about APTA, your organization? Yeah. 
Uh, Paul, I always like to refer to APTA as really a public-private partnership. Our membership is comprised of organizations, both public sector, meaning the transportation transit agencies across the country and in Canada. So we truly are international. Uh, and in fact, uh, the private sector, all the businesses, uh, car manufacturers, bus and rail, equipment suppliers, engineering companies, uh, universities, trade associations at the state level, they comprise our membership. So it truly is public-private. Uh, we represent over uh, 1,600 member organizations, uh, and they're comprised of some 450,000 employees directly working in public transit and uh, support several million private sector jobs. So it's about an $85 billion industry. Very significant, very significant in terms of its impact, not only on mobility, but our economy. And you guys have a lot of heft, I guess I would say. I know that um, when APTA puts their shoulder behind the wheel, so to speak, on a, on a hot topic, you get action on Capitol Hill and elsewhere. Well, I think that is true. You know, we have a strong uh, membership base with with keen interest to make our industry move forward. And so we, th I think, do an excellent job of bringing the voices together, both public and private, to make sure that when we go to the Hill, uh, they can count on good, solid information that they can base their decision making on and to make the case. And to make the case is twofold, at least. And that is the public perspective of bringing resources to communities to invest in public transit. And then the private sector, which is really the job creator, creating the opportunities to innovate, uh, to provide services that I think take us to another level. And I think that's very powerful on the Hill to hear both the public and the private sector messages. One of the things I think is great about you, Paul, as as the uh, CEO, is your background. You worked in both the public and private sector, CEOs of uh, transit agencies, but also, you know, the the private background. Well, I feel very privileged about that, Paul. You know, this is a great industry. You've been in it many, many years. So many of us have, and we've grown to have an appreciation for it. And I think certainly my time in both sectors, public and private, I think gives me a perspective of understanding the issues and bringing those in the conversations that we have on a day-to-day -day basis with our members. Yeah. Well, from my perspective, I think you are doing and have done a great job as uh, as a leader of our national association and and I'm so honored to uh you know to be your friend and to, and to work together for the same cause. That's something that's great about our industry is unlike maybe some industry associations like an airline industry association whatever where they're all competitors. We don't have that in public transportation. We're actually all here to help each other and that's why you're on the show today because you're going to share some of the best practices and things and solutions that we've seen. Yeah, I think you put your finger on it. There's a great camaraderie and a great sharing of information. Certainly, you'd have to say amongst the private sector members, there's some competition. Yeah, yeah. But even with that, people are very open, very candid, willing to work together, not afraid to share stories about what may work, what may not. And I think that's certainly true of the public sector. Uh, it is a great industry. Those of us who've had the privilege of kind of growing up in the industry, developing our careers, there are a lot of rewards there of just knowing you're doing meaningful work and you're doing it with a group of individuals and professionals who are striving for some of the same goals that you're working on. So it's it's a great reward. Let's dive right in then. So, um, Paul, give us some of the trends from this last year. What are some of the challenges we faced and solutions? Well, Paul, overall, I would say we as an industry and as an association have had a very, very good year. You know, our work doesn't come without its challenges, right? Every business, every organization, public or private, is going to be challenged. And year to year, that may change. Certainly, we have our challenges. But if you look at the vital statistics, 
we have uh, really climbed out of this uh, this pandemic, not entirely, but making great progress. If you compare where our ridership is nationally uh, to a year ago, we're up about 20%. So we're now hovering around around 75 to 80% at a national level as compared to 2019. That's not where we ultimately want to be. But our agencies are demonstrating resilience. Uh, they're, they're really innovating with their services, their approaches, uh, the fair policies that they're implementing, luring riders back. But I would see, I say also new riders uh, to, that haven't experienced the system. What we've seen in the last number of months is the power of other sources of entertainment, of leisure activities. You mentioned you were just in Vegas. You know, what we saw is what uh, the Taylor Swift factor bringing thousands upon thousands of riders to transit, many of whom have never experienced yeah. public transportation. I'm person so, of the year, and largely, yeah, I think, because of what she did for transit. Yeah, absolutely. So it's beginning to change the mindset. Yes, it's the commute to work without question, but it's not just that. It's the leisurely ride. It's the recreational ride. It's the educational ride. And I think transit is beginning to really accept that as one of their oppor- great opportunities. So we're seeing ridership continue to grow. Uh, again, it's not inching forward as much and fast as we would like, but it's happening. And what I'm very pleased about is that the agencies have rolled up their sleeves, both public and private members that are supporting the industry, looking for ways to be more creative. about. And I think that's really important. We've got to adapt to a different environment than what we've had. So that's a very a strong positive. Uh, we continue, the agencies continue to advance uh, climate initiatives Zero the transition to zero emission bus fleets that does not come without some of its pains, as you well know. And in, in talking to our members, uh, still issues of the technology that are being refined and improved upon. Uh, we've had some challenges in the last number of months with two of our uh, bus OEMs uh, that have um, really expressed and have now demonstrated some difficulties. First Nova Bus exiting the U.S. production of transit buses. Uh, that is a hit. Uh, secondly, Proterra, the only 100% maker of buses uh, by uh, electric vehicle battery propulsion. So we have issues like that that we've got to work through, and, and we are addressing those. But I think those are all positive signs of progress that don't come, again, without some sacrifice, without some pain, uh, but the progress is there. I am most encouraged as we look at the environment that we've been operating in, which in itself has been challenging, high inflation, supply chain issues, workforce issues that we all know about that affect both public and private sector. Agencies continue to advance their capital programs nearly every day. Yes. A new story about a a transit line, a rail extension, a new operating facility. I was just in Akron, Ohio, 10 days ago to dedicate the groundbreaking of a new uh, maintenance and operations base at Akron Metro. Uh, they're very excited about that because they know that will translate into improved practices, improved services ultimately to their public. And we're seeing this all over the country. And then, of course, we have an administration that continues to be advocates and and announce new grant awards virtually every week. Um, we've had just two major announcements that have come forward uh, with new high-speed rail monies, uh, both for the um, system that will connect Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area to uh, Las Vegas. High yeah, my boys at Brightline. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. The second venture for them, right, in addition to their Florida venture. And, of course, California High Speed Rail, which uh, continues to generate additional momentum to move forward. These are all positives that really talk about the importance of the industry. Uh, I think Americans want more public transportation. Every poll that we've that we've ever done continues to reinforce that notion. So we've got a lot of momentum uh, that is built up. I think that will continue in 2024. Again, we've got to be um, 
practical about this, not without challenges. That, yeah. That's the nature of it. That's why we, all of us do what we do to help address some of these issues and work through them uh, for, for the betterment for all. So that will continue. And it seems like, uh, kind of last question on this round, it seems like some agencies are figuring out solutions to the fiscal cliff. Uh, you've got New York City looking at congestion charging. You've got Chicago coming to kind of a financial agreement, increasing their budget. Friends like uh, Randy Clark and WMATA are working with local government agencies to kind of, um, I don't know what I'd call it, ramp up or amp up our positioning in society. So the transit isn't seen as an also ran, but it's seen as an essential service, kind of like, you know, schools and parks and other things that government subsidize regularly without any question. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is, and those of us who have a long-term perspective of this industry, and you're, you're one of those as well, always know that, look, transit has never had a free ride in terms of <laughs> its budgets, its budget struggles. That From time to time, you've got to make tough decisions. You've got to modify your service, your fares. You have to adapt. And we've never had the, the, the privilege of being able to say funds are unlimited, right? That's just not the way transit has been uh, budgeted and, and financed over the years. This fiscal cliff is an interesting term. It's really has just entered our lexicon yes. in the last couple of years. Uh, and certainly it's very descriptive of the situation, but it's not different than what we've, we've, we've met those challenges in years past. And yes, you've hit upon some of those. New York has a solution now in terms of providing some funding. California at the state level has created some additional uh, runway uh, for additional funding, which is going to give the agencies more time to adapt. Chicago uh, at the state level is working through some proposals uh, that will raise more monies and also make some changes, perhaps, uh, in their structure. And so I would expect that will continue. WMATA, of course, we're here in our own home here in Washington, D.C., has a huge budget deficit that they're dealing with, and they've got a complex governance. They're looking for the jurisdictions there, the three states, so to speak, to come to, to the table and address that. You know, I believe those will be worked out uh, because at the end, people recognize how important public transportation is, what it means to people's lives. We don't want to leave people behind. Public transit, as we all agree, creates mobility and opportunity for people to live their lives. And I think that we will find ways at the local level, uh, whether it's here in Washington, whether it's Chicago, elsewhere, uh, to get to a good place. Again, doesn't come easy, doesn't come out with a lot of anxiety. Uh, but I'm confident that that will happen. And our agencies will continue to make the investments. The capital side continues to to roar uh, with these new investments that are being made. Agencies are having to adapt there as well. You know, those dollars perhaps don't go quite as far because of inflation, some of the other things, but they're resequencing their their investment levels, figuring out how best to, to do these projects. And again, the innovation and the resilience of our industry is, is really noteworthy, and I, that will certainly continue. Paul, we're going to come back to you uh, for a quick look into 2024 after we ask Petra uh, about some of the learnings and the trips that APTA sponsored this year internationally. Yes, thank you very much, Paul. So we... Uh did two key international study missions this year, which really uh, is a great opportunity for us to have our finger on the pulse and really uh, understand uh, what are some best practices around the world that are transferable to uh, North America. We had a chance to take about 30 uh, senior executives from both the public and private sector, as well as uh, our administrator, Fernandez, from the FTA and some of her key staff. Uh, through Spain. Uh, we spent time in Madrid, Valencia, and Barcelona in June. And then 
We were able to do another study mission this year, very fortunate to be able to do that with uh, 35 members, both public and private sector, to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, We spent time in Auckland, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Sydney. And all of those trips were really focused on how do you build a world-class transit system, what is needed, and really to see what is possible. And, you know, there's so much that we could talk about in terms of what we learned. And I'm sure Paul, Paul would have a lot to, has a lot to say here as well, of course. But really, I, I just wanted to mention three, three elements, perhaps. One is governance structures. I think that, uh, we really saw some government structures, governance structures that really allowed us, uh, allows for that seamless connectivity between modes and brings together land use planning and transportation. So in Madrid, for example, they have the regional consortium for public transportation, and uh, that brings together um, all of their operators and uh, really focuses on fair modal technological and administrative integration. So, so they, they really do have that seamless connectivity and deliver on that. Um, and then, for example, uh, Victoria, the state of Victoria in Australia, where Melbourne is located, where they've created the Department of Transport and Planning. So again, bringing together all the modes from a policy perspective, as well as a planning function, but also tying that with the land use management and planning. And I think the second element is is just what happens when you see both political commitment as well as a public understanding of the symbiotic relationship between the vibrancy of cities and their economic competitiveness and a robust public transportation system. And uh, I think wherever we went, whatever whatever city we were in, we saw a culture and a lifestyle choice uh, with public transportation at heart and 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 cities that were 24 hours had have um, have uh, all the services at hand in urban areas, retail jobs, cultural services, et cetera. And uh, and public transportation being used all day and all night and and really a delivery system focused on ensuring that there is that constant access uh, to where people need to go and that understanding that people come to cities and, and live in cities because there is a, a very good public transportation system. And I think the third uh, one, which we are still very much unpacking and which is so important to us now as we are focused uh, on this topic is efficient and effective project delivery. And uh, we really saw some excellent models uh, around the world this year where they really are focused on on being outcome oriented um, and putting in place standardized procedures, the right uh, organizational culture to ensure projects are built well and, and effectively. Um, you know, in, in Madrid, for example, where they built 50 miles of, of metro and 80 stations in four years, I mean, that that's incredible. And, uh, you know, we were just in Sydney where uh, they're building, you know, they're building light rail six years from start to finish, uh, 11 miles of track. But but that includes all the project review. That's from the start of the project, project review and approval processes to operations. And uh, just really understanding what it, how they have really done a deep dive on what it takes to, to deliver those projects and, and, and deliver them in, in the right way. Those are great. Really good learnings, uh, Petra. Thank you for sharing those with us. I know that APTA did a um, a summary call and uh, like a, a program, a webinar where they presented all these findings. So it's great that you're giving that information kind of back to the industry. Not everyone's able to go, but they can still get the learnings from it. 
Indeed. Yeah, that's great. So, Paul, let's take a quick look into 2024. As I look into this new year, I've got a new book coming out called The New Future of Public Transportation with contributions from 30 of the world's leading transit experts. Thank you for contributing to my last book, The First Future of Public Transportation. But what I see, and I'm interested in your take on this and anything else, is the emergence of hydrogen-powered buses as a new technology that's up and coming. Secondly, would be new funding uh, mechanisms such as road charging. As we get more and more electric vehicles on the road, there's less and less gas tax available for these transportation trust funds. And so states like Maryland, where I'm at, and other states are looking at that as, as also, I understand, a federal study will soon be. And then the third big trend I see is the continuation of the importance of public transportation in cleaning the environment. And I see that as being a driver of what we do, kind of getting the political willpower behind us as a result of that. What are your thoughts on those and anything else that you see coming in 2024? Yeah, no, Paul, you, you've hit on some very important issues here that I think will be front and center. Let's let's deal with one that everybody is always concerned about. It's the funding piece, right? And so we're heading into a, a time period where we've got a, a very different composition in Congress. Uh, and so we know there may be some headwinds there in terms of continuing to advance all of our initiatives. We are now into our third year of the Infrastructure and Investment and Jobs Act and that reauthorization. Our first priority for the coming year is to protect that investment to make sure that the appropriations match uh, the authorized levels. And that will not be an easy feat at all, but but that's at the top of our list and it's not too early. We'll begin thinking early in the year of 2024 about reauthorization. You know what comes next, and and you just hit on it. We know that the gas tax revenues now are on decline. Uh, there's no way that they're going to be able to be of sufficient magnitude to fund transportation, roads, and public transit. So we need some new thinking there, new experimentation, new identification of revenue sources and streams that will serve that need. It is happening at the state levels. Uh, there's a lot of experimentation that's going to go forward in terms of uh, distance-based, uh, you know, mileage-based uh, 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 tolls and 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 the like. So, so there's some new areas there that have to be explored uh, if we're really going to identify new funding uh, for the future, and and we'll be engaged in that in this coming year. The other is to address uh, the issue that we touched on a few moments ago, and that is uh, some of the stress that our bus OEMs are facing, and so. We have established a bus a manufacturing task force. It is chaired uh, by Dorval Carter from Chicago, Chicago CTA, and Rich Davey, who is the president of New York City Transit. So they've lent both their expertise and, quite frankly, their gravitas to this issue to give it the importance that it deserves. And we expect we'll be coming out very shortly and into 2024 with recommendations about really changing the procurement model that the industry has followed for many, many years it needs to be uh, recognizing these impacts, financial impacts on the private sector. And we need more of a partnership there so that we can keep this industry healthy. You know, we all have our individual efforts, both pub, uh, uh, initiatives and priorities, public and private. But at the end, you know, we need a healthy industry. And that healthy industry has to account for both sectors uh, of our industry. And so I think there's a willingness and a desire to make sure that we're doing the right kinds of things to to make that happen. I expect our trends in terms of um, our association to continue. We've had, uh, we're closing out on this one of the strongest attendance years that we've had uh, ever at APTA. Uh, record attendance levels at virtually every conference. I think that will continue in 24. And in some measure, that reflects the health of the industry, the vitalness of the industry. So we'll continue to nurture that and to work with it. But 
you know, the day-to-day stuff is still going to be there. How we can get bus service and rail service out there timely, operating well. We're going to need to come to answers as how best we can deal with the issues of public safety, which, again, we cannot ignore. Every every organization and, and agency is facing those. Uh, we've got to work, I think, more collaboratively with our local leaders, mayors, um, city councils, uh, local social groups to address these issues because they go far beyond transit's ability to solve. Uh, and so we need to be able to to do that. But those are the things I think that are key uh, in the agenda that I see us expending more energy and time and effort on. Patriot, do you have anything you'd like to add from the international perspective? I think something that uh, two two areas maybe that, that we'll continue to see major project on uh, pro- progress on is um, the continued commitment to decarbonizing the sector, um, and, uh, and we you know we're we're seeing large scale transitions certainly to uh, zero emissions buses around the world. Uh, Santiago, Chile, which already has the largest bus uh, electric bus depot outside of China, uh, which has brought in 900 more buses this year to, to have 30% of their fleet now, almost 2000 buses, uh, already electric. Uh, we saw the same in Australia and New Zealand, a, a major commitment to a transition to electric and hydrogen, uh, as well. And some interesting examples as well, which I think we'll see more of in Barcelona. Luna, for example, where they're looking at using their uh, their energy, the recovered energy from their metro system and using that to supply electricity to their buses. So I think that's one area where we'll continue to see a lot of progress. And the second is just I think this will also be the year where we stop uh, internationally, at least comparing ourselves in terms of ridership uh, pre- to pre-pandemic levels <laughs> and uh, really focus uh more on uh, having a true understanding um, uh, from a data perspective on on new mobility trends and meeting those new mobility trends, but also perhaps really focusing less on ridership levels and more on how we build uh, inclusive, equitable, and accessible transit systems and deliver on that. That's great. Paul, if I may, you you touched on something that I didn't address, and that is hydrogen yes. as, as a fuel for the future. And there's no doubt that so many of our agencies now are stepping up uh, experimenting with hydrogen uh, and hydrogen fuel uh, for propulsion, in addition to the electric uh, battery buses, I think it's a very healthy thing. The industry, the industry again, is looking for ways to be innovative, uh, to be cutting edge, uh, to learn, to experiment. So we're going to see more of that continuing, uh, and I think the jury's still out in terms of what that mix might be for the future. What does the future bus fleet look like? How much of it is electric battery based versus hydrogen? I think we picked up some interesting tidbits along the way from our international visits in terms of where they are. But, you know, we got to make sure that it fits for the U.S. market. Uh, so that'll be an interesting, I think, uh, focus for the next year coming up. That's excellent. Well, thank you both for sharing your time with us today. Paul, I consider you a five-star general in our army as we uh, as we advance and Transit Unplugged is happy to be part of the Air Force. Uh, well, let me, give me, let give me, me t- ear cover. Let me tell you, Paul, thank you for what you do. I, You know, it, it's really remarkable. I, I wish I had more time to kind of delve into some of the detail here, but you're all over the place covering what's happening in the industry doing it so so easily and 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 in a fun fashion for people. So keep up the great work. Uh, it's a great way to educate us all in terms of things that are happening uh, that we should take note of, not only in the US, but across across the globe. So keep up the energy and stamina to do all that, my friend. Doing great. Thank you. We uh, I'm happy to be a partner with APTA, with UITP, and all the groups around the world. You know, all of us are transit evangelists, and we're showing right. the value of public transportation 
you know, overall societal. So thank you for the work you're doing in Patreon and TJ and all the team there. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Hi, this is Tris Hussey, editor of the Transit Unplugged podcast. And thank you for listening to the final Transit Unplugged episode of 2023. And a special thank you to our guests, Paul Scatellis and Petra Mollet. Now, coming up next week on Transit Unplugged next year, we have Congressman Earl Blumenauer talking with Paul about his lifelong support in transit and his career in politics. But we do have one more special thing for you before we wrap up the year completely. We've got a special episode by our friends at the Overhead Wire and Talking Headways podcast. Jeff Wood is talking with Dr. Carol Martins about building more sustainable and accessible cities. It's a really interesting episode about how we approach building our cities. Listen for that episode to come out December the 29th. Are you subscribed to the Transit Unplugged newsletter? Well, head on over to transitunplugged.com and sign up. Every week, we give you the info on the latest episode, let you catch up on past ones, and keep you in the loop with everything that's going on at Transit Unplugged, the podcast, and the TV show. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email us at info at transitunplugged.com. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. And at Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week and next year, ride safe and ride happy.